2: So crazy at times. It sounds like
0: you yell back at your radio. What are
3: you talking about? What the
0: hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's midday madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer.
1: Welcome in Sparky's Midday Madness here on The fans. Steve Sparky, Fiber with you for one hour, leading you up to the Rami Show at 3 o'clock. Rami Makloff back here in the G. Wagner Plumbing Studios for you coming up at 3. I want to talk about these comments by Mark Lassery, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks owner. And these comments uh, come from uh, the South Florida Sun Sentinel. Talking about uh, wanting to play the Miami Heat. It says, quote, and you can see uh, that they did want to play the Miami Heat. And the reason why is because when we played the Heat, we played our guys. We didn't do what a lot of other teams have done, which is sit all their guys. We played our guys to make sure. We wanted to send a message. I think that message has been received. I think it'll be a great matchup for us, says Mark Lazary, And this uh, is everywhere, as you could well imagine. I, I simply want to know... This from you Bucks fans. Okay. You could be a diehard Bucks fan. You could be a, a casual Bucks fan. I just want to know this. How much do you trust Bucks ownership to get this thing right with the Bucks and Giannis? How much do you trust Bucks ownership? Simple. How much do you trust them? 414 1250, 799-1250. Tweet us at 1250 AM The Fan. I'll start. I don't trust him. I don't. And the reason that I don't, I just don't like the fact that there are so many people involved. You've got Jamie Dynan. You have Wes Edens. You have Mark Lazary, Then you got some of these other dudes that we don't even know their names. Plus, then you have the front office dynamic that goes on there. And how John Horst was hired. Were they all on board with John Horst, or was it Wesley Edens called to hire John Horst? The Bootholzer hire. Was everybody on board with that, or was that the Wesley Edens hire? And now here comes Mark Lazary. So now he gets final say, and we already have out there that, hey, hey, hey. he loses the first or second round, toodles to Coach Bootholzer even if it is to the Nets, even if they do go to the Finals and win, you're toast. If they go to the Conference Finals and I don't like how it looks, you're gone. You go to the NBA Finals and if I don't like how it looks, you're gone. That came from the Athletic. To me, we talk about Aaron Rodgers being self-serving and being a me guy and all that stuff. The way this is set up, Every five years, this ownership changes. Which means every five years, the dynamic of the organization is going to change. From Edens to Lazarus to Edens to Lazary every five years. And whoever is the governor of the organization, that's how it changes. Gets the final say on what the organization does. So now... If Mark Lazary deems that, okay, I know who I want. I'm going to go get my guy. He's going to get his guy. Whoever that may be at the end of the day. It's not a steady presence at the top. And with Lazary specifically, it is becomes more of a fan deal than maybe more of an ownership type deal. Seems to be more of a fan guy that looks at it from a fan perspective. Now, I will say this. The one thing you could not question about him and Edens is they want a championship. Like, they want to win a championship. That is undeniable. That is the goal of Bucks ownership is to win a championship. Now, how do you get to that point is a whole other discussion. I would be far more inclined to be more trustworthy if I knew who the guy was making the decisions long-term and that we're not going to change the course of the organization every five years and go in another direction. I would feel much better in that position because, folks, there is a chance that after this season is done, depending on what happens here in the postseason, you could have a new general manager and a new head coach before this whole thing is said and done. And it came to me last night when I read the story uh, on the president of the of operations with the Toronto Raptors that, hey, depending on what happens with ownership, he could be a free agent. As soon as I read that, I said, he could be a member of the Belonghi Bucks organization next year. He could be the guy running the basketball operations for Mark Lazary, and then he would be the one hiring the next head coach. Would that make me upset? No. I'd love it. I'd be all for it if that's what they decided to do. But it goes back to what I was saying before, which is you're going to continue to change things every time the next guy takes over every five years. It's hard to get that consistency when you're constantly in change and flux at the top of the organization. To be honest with you, it might be better if one of these guys split off and went and maybe bought a different team. And then left whoever was left as the main governor of the team going forward. I just think it's going to be very difficult to get this done the way they currently have it set up. Just kind of looking at the future, going off the athletic piece about what they're saying about Bunholzer. I-, I am lacking trust in Bucks' ownership right now. How about you, 414? Seven nine nine twelve fifty four one four seven nine nine twelve fifty. Let's go to Neil on the North Side. You're up first on Sparky's Midday Madness.
3: Hey, what's up, man? What's up? What's hey, up? I'm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it like this. As far as personnel, I believe they got what it take now because you you move Middleton to the third spot without saying it. You everybody knew you had to go a guy who can dribble the ball consistently. Right. That's Holiday. You know what I mean so now Middleton get the slide to the third spot and nobody said nothing about it everything's smooth and I think they're gonna get it done this year and why they're gonna get just enough stops against Brooklyn Brooklyn ain't stopping nobody you know what I mean so, so we're gonna we gonna get just enough stops against Brooklyn but do you have,
1: have enough offense right to match Brooklyn I agree with you they're not going to stop anybody but can you score with them
3: they that's that's why they're gonna be able to score with them because they can't stop nobody you you see we were we was over 115 uh each game with yep them. You know what I mean? So, that's that they ain't going to be, especially when you get Harden out there. We're going to be able to stop them just enough that I, I believe we can beat them. Then from there, going to be wide open. You know what I mean? So, I, I I think we got enough because you got somebody who can dribble the ball. I think if you see how they've been playing, they take Giannis off the floor, put the ball in Holiday's hand. You know what I mean? They're going to be all right. You know what I mean? Because Giannis, ain't, I, I think he ain't going to have to work that hard on offense. You know what I mean? Because you got Holiday. I'm looking forward to make a run. Yeah, but
1: wait a second here. What One second, here. let's let's go back on something here. So you're saying he's not going to to work as hard offensively, but on the defensive side of the floor, when you get to this series against Miami, whether it's Jimmy Butler or it's Bam or whoever he gets matched up on defensively, he's going to have to work there. And then in the next series, he's going to have to work against Kevin Durant, you would have to think at some point.
3: Well, he ain't, yeah, I mean, we ain't even going, you know how they do in the NBA now. Them guys don't even really hold each other. You know what I mean? So, they, they, they going to get the matchup. He's going to catch you, Mary, once in a while, but they ain't going to be consistently his job. You know what I mean? Now, I was, was going to speak on that. Now, Miami, this is the only series I got a problem with right here.
1: Oh? Why is that?
3: Yep. Because you, Bam, can he can put pressure on Giannis on a defensive end. You know what I mean? And, and and they can stop us enough. Now, the question is, not against Brooklyn, it's against Miami. Can we score enough? That That's that because Bam, probably the best matchup in the NBA for Giannis, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, as far think, as athletically being a long yeah. guy that could kind of try and keep his feet in front of him, I still think Giannis right. is probably quicker than Bam. Though, as far as if he decides to bowl past him, he can.
3: Right, right. But as far as his matchup and consistently matchup at the rim, yeah. Bam probably the best guy you could probably have on your team. And then you gonna Butler, gonna slow Middleton up. It's gonna be on Holiday, like I'm saying. This, this is what the Holiday pickup is about. You can't build a wall because you, Holiday gonna have the ball in his hand. Watch, watch this. You got to put the ball in Holiday hand. Yami's got to play off the ball son. He got to. That's, all right. That's, that's, that's the only thing we got here. Thanks Besides for the, that. I, I think we're both. All
1: right, Neil. Thanks for the call. So he feels okay with the ownership. A little bit concerned about the Miami series from a personnel standpoint. I, I feel better about the Miami series maybe than I did before because, again, there's no Jay Crowder. And Eric and Seth Partno did a great piece of The Athletic today. If you have a chance, check it out. Uh, but, again, no Jay Crowder, that helps. The Drew Holiday thing we've talked about before on the big show, him being there instead of Eric Bledsoe is a huge upgrade uh, for the Bucs. I know there's some random unnamed scout uh, that was on social media quoted saying that uh, he doesn't think there's that big of a difference between uh, Holiday and Bledsoe, which is ridiculous. But I I like Holiday, the ability that you have to put him on a guard that gets hot or to sick him on Jimmy Butler uh, and have him guard Jimmy Butler for stretches of time during the course of a game. I like that aspect of it as well. I like P.J. Tucker, the ability that he allows you to have to make switches. I, I like that too. I think this whole series with Miami is really going to come down to how well Duncan Robinson and Gorey Dragic and Tyler Hero shoot the basketball. If those three guys shoot the basketball well in this series, the Bucks are going to have their hands full. They're going to have problems because they don't defend the three at all. We all know this. So that's going to be a problem. The other way I see this becoming an issue uh, in this series is if Chris Middleton goes cold. And the one thing about Chris Middleton is he's he could get hot and he could carry you and he could go ice cold and absolutely kill you. As long as he doesn't go cold, right? As long as that doesn't happen, and those three guys don't go crazy from outside and start hitting shots, because that's what happened in the bubble. Corey Dragic was unconscious in the bubble. I could have missed anything. Tyler Hero wasn't at that point necessarily, but he had enough shots to keep you honest. That's what you have to avoid. As long as they don't get hot from outside, I think the Bucs win this series, and maybe somewhat convincingly. But if they get hot outside and Middleton goes cold, yeah, there's no way. There is no way Boone survives if they get bounced in the first round by the Miami Heat. He is definitely out. The question is, though, do you trust Buck's ownership? Do you trust Buck's ownership? It's a simple question. Just going forward. You know, if I asked this question about Mark Atanasio, I think all of you would say absolutely I trust Atanasio. He's done a great job since he's been owner of the Brewers, right? They've done a lot of upgrades uh, at the park, uh, which is now American Family Field. Some of you may be mad about the whole Miller thing, but if Miller didn't want to pay, that's not Mark Atanasio's fault. So, I think we would all agree that Mark Atzanasio has done a great job as owner of the Milwaukee Brewers. The Packers don't have an owner, so there's no conversation there. But this Bucks ownership group here, this is something different that we have not seen. Many of us were upset at Herb Cole before this was all said and done. Before he sold, everybody was, well, not everybody, but a lot of people were hot at Herb Cole for not doing enough to put this team in a position to be where they are now. But in fairness to Herb, he never had a Yadis. He had Glenn. That's not Yadis. He had Ray. Again, not Yadis. Great player. Hall of Fame player, probably in Ray Allen, but not to the level of Yadis being a two-time MVP. Not at that level. Herb Cole never had that player. Did Herb Cole medal? Yes, he did. Has Wesley Edens medaled at all in the Bucs? Will Mark Lazary medal at all in the Bucs? Now, instead of having one guy, you have multiple guys that now can get their hands in the cookie jar. That's why I say, I don't trust this Bucks ownership group. Do you, 414-799-1250. Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan. Steve Sparky, Fiverr with you. Rami's show comes up at 3 o'clock. Asking you, do you trust Bucks ownership? I don't. Do not. Mark Antanasio, I'm all right there. No, there's... Mark Atzadasio metal Does he constantly talk to Stearns or Doug Melvin or those guys all the time? Yeah, probably. Definitely deal with Doug Melvin. Uh, I would assume the same is true for David Stearns right now. I can't even imagine what Mark Atzadasio or how Mark Atzadasio is right now, this offense being as bad as it is. He's got to be pulling his hair out. Because Atzadasio is another guy, maybe not to the level of Mark Lazarie. maybe. uh, But he is a fan too. He wants to win a World Series ring just as much as anybody else does. And uh, he, he continues to put them into a situation to have that chance in the playoffs. Now, they've been in multiple, you know, league championship series with the Brewers. They just haven't been able to push it over the top. And now they've got three great starting pitchers and Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta. And now their hitting has gone away. And for the Doug Melvin era, they always had offense. They always had hitting but they couldn't grow their own pitching down on the farm. And now it seemingly has gone the opposite way, where now they are having struggling to produce any type of hitting coming up in the farm system and are having to find that. But as we've discussed, it's going to be a lot easier to find a bat at the trade deadline uh, than it is to find a starting pitcher. So from that perspective, as a fan, I trust Antonasio that he's going to do it right. He made a good hire. Uh, well, actually, he inherited Doug Melvin. But he made the smart move keeping Doug Melvin and Jack Sorencik. He made a smart move in hiring David Stearns. Now, some of you may not like uh, the deal uh, involving Eric Lauer and those guys and giving up Grisham and Davies. And that's fine. You know, he's not going to be perfect. He's not going to make mistakes. But he's a solid general manager. Well, president of baseball operations now, Jed Hoyer. Not Jed Hoyer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Matt Arnold. Uh, is the general manager now, even though everybody just talks about Stearns, not Matt Arnold. But that was a solid hire. Matt Arnold is a solid, a solid guy to have in that organization as well. So for that perspective, I think Etzinasio has done a great job. This Bucks ownership, on the other hand, I I am uh, I'm concerned by how this is gonna play. I am. Because now it's it's gonna be Lazarus turn to run this. And he may want a different idea. He has maybe have a different idea of what Eden's did as far as the type of people he wants in certain positions and how he wants to run it. And this whole thing could change again going forward. And now you've got not just one guy that can meddle in the, all of this. You have multiple guys that can get involved in meddling. So that's where I'm at. I, I don't trust him. How about you? 414 799 1250. Tweet us at 1250 AM The fan. What about you, Dan Plucker, executive producer of the show? Do you
2: trust box ownership? I do, and they've slipped up enough for people to be concerned. I definitely do agree with you with that. You know, going back to the Bogdanovich thing, if if that was Lasry's fault or whoever's fault that was, some, somebody slipped and it got out, and Woj tweeted it, and then it all ruined. It all went downhill from there, and. Now this, I mean, you can't right before a playoff series go and put bulletin board material out yep. for a for a team that beat you last year, and for a team that's had your number for the most part. But in all fairness, it wasn't only Lazarus, Drew Holiday said they're a more talented team than Miami, so you got that too. Well, right, but coming from a player is different than coming from ownership. Coming from ownership is a different level. So you think a, it's worse? I, I do. I think it's a different level of pettiness. I do. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because uh, yeah. players players are supposed to, you know, muck it up and try to make it, oh, it's this big rivalry thing, whatever. Right. Like, our guys are better than yours. But what else is Drew Holiday supposed to say in that situation when asked that question? Absolutely. No, I think the Heat have a better roster than ours. No, he's right, not no. going to say that. Absolutely. He's going to say, I trust my team and my guys are better than theirs. Like, that's what he has to say. You know, you. He, he, that's a good job by a reporter for putting him in a situation where, where he's has got to, to say something that. like that. Right. Was Lazary put in the situation where he has to say what he said? I don't think so. I don't. But here is why I do trust them. They number one, overall, they found a way to get Giannis, the two-time MVP, back. They they, they got him long-term. They got him long-term. They and did. Giannis is not the kind of guy that's going to give up. Like, he's not going to be. Aaron Rodgers, I don't think. At least based on the experiences I've had with him, based on you know, the media how he's dealt with. So you don't think that in a couple of years, if this goes sideways, that he'll ask to be traded? I don't think so. He, I think he's going to continue to push and say that the guys that he's with are good enough to win a championship. Now, if they trade... Drew Holiday, and if they trade Chris Middleton and tear it all down and say Giannis, you're here, that's a different story. We're rebuilding We're, completely, right? Except you're staying here. Right. Like that—that's that, a completely different story. Like then, yeah, all of my trust for the ownership's out the window. But but I think he believes in what they're doing. I think he likes what they're doing. That's why he decided to stay. He the ownership has committed to Giannis, and Giannis, henceforth, has committed back to them. That's the biggest thing overall for me, and and why I trust them because they found a way and they made a plan. Good enough for Giannis to stay here, an MVP level player, uh, Kareem type player, you know, because that's why Kareem left. They they figured out a way to keep a superstar here, and that's why they earn and have deserved uh, Kareem interest. left because he didn't want to be in the snow. He wanted to be back out in California where it was warm. He
1: wanted to get the heck out of here. Uh, plus, there was a bunch of other stuff going on uh, that wasn't. But you very don't think nice.
2: Giannis. Like, I think that's the same thing for Giannis. Like, I don't think Giannis loves the weather here. Um, like,
1: yeah, but it's different in the aspect, and I hate using this because I hear people use it all the time, and it drives me nuts. It's the whole, well, Giannis didn't know anything about America when he got here, right? So he was just happy to be here, and then he was just happy to be in the NBA the first year, and John Hammond taught him how to drive, the old Bucks general manager. And he got a slush, and he went to Walmart in a limo, and all of this other stuff uh, that came up, which was fine and all of that a little bit different with luau cinder who grew up here went to college here knew what it was like kind of to be that star player type deal knew what hollywood was all about and la and all that Giannis, not as much and we've already seen him talk about the fact that he didn't like being followed by tmz cameras he doesn't like being caught on camera and followed everywhere that's not something he really enjoys not that Lew Sitter did, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did one way or the other, but he certainly didn't mind it by forcing his way out of Milwaukee. I, I think that's, that's the biggest difference between him and Giannis at this point. But, having said that, I have learned over the course of time never to assume anything about anybody when it comes to professional sports. Just not. And as when we were debating whether or not Giannis was going to stay or not, And the majority of you are like, oh, he's staying, he's staying, he's staying. And I was like, "Ah, I don't don't know. We'll see. And part of that is I didn't want to put myself in a position to be let down. When he goes, oh, I'm out. Going to play for the Lakers. Oh, I'm out. I'm going to play. Whatever. Right? So it was me putting my shield up, putting my walls up, and not wanting to uh, let in the possibility of him staying long-term. And now Plucker says, well, he's not going to pull an Aaron Rodgers, or he's not going to pull a Brett Favre. Uh, and do this uh, to you know Milwaukee and their fans and the organization and so forth. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope not. I hope he doesn't do that. I I would hope he doesn't because right now the way this is set up, you have one hundred and ten percent committed to the next three years of Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis. You have three years of this now. If Budenholzer's the coach or if not the coach, if Horse is the GM or Horse isn't the GM, I don't think the new guy coming in is going to be able to do much here. You don't have draft picks. You don't have draft capital. So you have no way, really, of adding to this roster that you've pretty much built. You can rotate in bench, guys. You can replace Forbes. You can replace Teague. You can replace Bobby Portis and some of these guys, right? So You can redo your bench from year to year. But your core three are going to be your core three going forward, more likely than not. Unless you're going to try and move Chris Middleton for another high-priced guy, right? Ah, we're going to trade Chris Middleton for Bradley Beal or something along those lines. You could do that to a certain degree, but you're not going to be able to add a star player or anybody of the ilk to those three guys Now, you also know that in that same time frame, Durant, Harden, and Kyrie with Brooklyn are all going to be under contract here for the next couple of years. So you're going to go roll it up into that series. Now, we'll see what happens. But the one thing everybody continues to say, and Horace Grant just said it again uh, at 130, 135, whatever it was, when he was on the Wendy's Big Show, and that is about the Nets. Continuity. That's a big issue. They haven't been on the floor at the same time. We'll see how that works. And the Miami Heat, when they had LeBron that first run, right? They get to the Dallas Mavericks and they lose. And everybody talks about that series as far as, well, they were still trying to feel themselves out and trying to figure out who those guys were going to be. So, now, if you go to Brooklyn say you lose to Brooklyn, they're going to have that playoff experience. They're going to have all of next regular season. You're not going to be able to add anything significant as a Bucks organization, and you're going to have to go back at them again with pretty much the same big three against their big three. That's why I say you are in a position, kind of, sort of, here where I think you're stuck a little bit. Like, Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis have to work if they're going to win a championship. They just do. They, this has to work. If this does not work, I don't know what other way you go here to try to get that championship in the next couple of years if those three stay in Brooklyn with the Nets.
2: Yeah, I think the the thought process is, it has to be, that even if it doesn't happen this year, Giannis Drew and Middleton are going to continue to grow together. They're going to continue to get better. Giannis especially, I mean, he's still so young. But the problem is, to from a talent perspective, Middleton is never going to be uh hard and, and Drew is no. never gonna be Kyrie. Right. No matter how but, much better they get, they're not gonna get to that level. But comparatively speaking, the best talent on the Bucks is getting is getting to their prime while the best talent on the Nets is exiting it. And I think Good that's point. I great think point. that is kind yeah. of the mindset here. That's a great going point. going forward.
1: That is the money shot right there of points. By Dan Plucker, executive producer, other side of the glass. Robbie Show comes up here at 3 o'clock. Let me tell you about my friends over at Young Express. A company we talk about so much is continuing to grow. Would you like to be a part of a Christian Mays family-run company? A company that's been in business for over 30 years. They're currently looking to add to their sales department. You've heard me talk about what a great company this is to work for. Now, go apply online. Now, this is what they're looking for at Young Express. Outside sales experience in the transportation industry is required. So, If you check that box, this is what else they want you to have. Energetic, friendly personality. Willing to prospect new business via phone, email, and social selling. Reliable transportation, which means you're going to have to be able to drive from point A to point B. Willingness to travel within an assigned territory. Plus, closing and follow-up skills are a must. One you can expect. 40-hour work week. Salary plus commissions, bonuses, contests, profit sharing, health insurance, 401k with up to 3% company match. Plus, you get an existing book of business from day one, expense account with generous mileage reimbursement, cell phone, tablet, and all sales and promotional materials provided to you by the company, and a fun and exciting environment and a chance to grow at Young Express. That's what you want, right? It's a chance to grow. You don't want to have a ceiling on how far you can go in a company. Email your resume right now to Young at youngexpress.com. That's jyoung at youngexpress.com or apply at youngexpress.com. That's j-u-n-g express.com. Young Express success drives them. Welcome back, Sparky's Midday Madness here on The Fans. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Dan Plugger, executive producer, other side of the glass. Less than a half hour from now, the Rami show gets on the air at three o'clock. Rami Makloff uh coming up. Looking forward to uh hearing what Rami has on the agenda today. He'll join us probably coming up uh in the next segment. Gary Ellerson has been poo-pooing this whole thing the last couple of days, including uh earlier today when we talked with Kevin Holden from CBS 58. But since I've got Plucker here, uh, and he's kind of a baseball guy, uh, I I, I wanted to get into this just a a little bit. Uh, Kluber throws a no-hitter last night against the Texas Rangers. This is now six no-hitters. Six. It's May 20th. Six. So right now they're on pace for about 20, 21 no-hitters this year. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If we get a no-hitter from Brandon Woodruff or Corbin Burns or Fred Peralta, I'm going to be super jacked, super excited. We're going to come on. We're going to talk about it on the Wendy's Big Show. We'll talk about it on Sparky's Midday Madness. Bart will talk about it in the morning. Rami will talk about it in the afternoon. And it will be wall-to-wall, no-hitter coverage. Uh, and Tim Allen may physically cry on the Pella Widows and Doors of Wisconsin postgame show uh, after the game if the Brewers throw a no-hitter. Okay. So, from that aspect, let's just take that out uh, of the equation. Yes, we all are going to be happy. We all will be excited regardless of how many no-hitters are thrown prior to the Brewers finally throwing their second no-hitter in the, the history of the organization. This is not good for baseball, though. It's just not. And this is something Robbie and I have argued about forever. So... If you are a diehard core baseball fan, right? You you just love use some baseball. You love 1-0 games. You love 2-1 games. That you're all about it. Most diehard fans don't like 8-7. Most diehard fans don't like 7-5. They would rather have that good pitching matchup, good solid defense, nail biting, all that fun stuff for the entire game. And it's a little bit quicker, too. I believe. And I don't know what Major League Baseball believes, but I believe the more runs that are scored, the more chance you have of getting a younger audience to watch your baseball games. That is an area in which soccer, for instance, struggles because you don't have a lot of goals scored. It's a very entertaining game if you actually give it a chance and get into it. And there's storylines that go along with it that can be very entertaining. But most people aren't willing to give it a chance when they see 0 0 ties. 1-1 one, one ties, one zero, Th- that type of thing. is like, I am not watching a game for that long and then not have a goal scored or only have one goal scored in that entire time, and it's of no interest. And now with the no-hitters, if you're at the game, sure, it's awesome because you have a piece of history, right? Now, you no longer have paper tickets, so you have nothing to signify that piece of history. So that sucks. So now maybe you have a program from that day, but that program is probably the same program as the day after or the day before. So that's really not it either, which is a whole other thing that irritates me is getting rid of all these paper tickets. Now, if you're at a game, there's no way to prove that you were at the game, right? So 20 years from now, oh, I was at the Kluber no-hitter. Really? You got a ticket? No. Well, then how... how how, how do I know you were there? I mean, you're saying you were there, and that, that's fine, but do you have anything from the game that shows you were at the game? No. At least if you were at the ice bowl, you probably have a ticket more than likely. A lot of people do. Or you have a program from that day, or you have something that signifies that day's game. Nowadays, you go at it to an event and something special happens. There's no way of proving that that thing actually happened one way or the other. But when we start talking about no-hitters and low-scoring games and screwing up the baseball like Major League Baseball apparently has, I don't think this is going to help the game of baseball. I don't. I think it's going to hurt the game of baseball, especially with the younger fan base, uh, who really is going to get bored by this product really quickly. When you start talking about how bad the offense is for the Milwaukee Brewers and how bad a lot of these other teams' offenses are around Major League Baseball, that's just going to be a tough selling point to get some fans to come back to a game after they go to one game Like, boy, oh, boy, they lost two to nothing. That was about as boring as it comes. That's not fun. Watching Ryan Braun hit a home run, fun. Watching Prince Fielder hit a mammoth tower shot, that's fun. Corey Hart hitting a booming home run, that's fun. Watching Urias throw a ball away, not fun. Not a thing. Now, again, Brewers fans, watch Ricky Weeks be horrible defensively. Watch J.J. Hardy struggle defensively in the beginning. Sure, but you were scoring runs, so you knew you were going to have that entertainment value when you got to the park. But where is the entertainment value promised to you now in Major League Baseball? There are some guys. Otani, sure. Tatis, absolutely. There are some guys that, yes, I'm going to go pay to watch that dude because he'll do something more than likely that I'm going to get jacked about. But that's it. I mean, you don't have all of this offense right now, and I think it hurts the game of baseball, damn Plucker. Do you think all of this defense
2: and pitching is actually helping or hurting the game? Well, the more no-hitters that are thrown, the less spectacular it's going to wind up being. To a degree, yes. If 20 no-hitters are thrown this year, I saw a crazy stat this morning, and it was 35% of the complete games that have been pitched this year have been no-hitters. saw that. Yep. So that that yep. That all is absurd. That is same
1: thing. insane. Well, that's two that's, reasons though. I mean, one of the reasons is a lot of these guys, managers aren't letting their guys go complete games. That's oh, part of for it. For sure. Too. Like Craig Console, for example, is not the, gonna let a majority of his pitchers go that long.
2: Right. No, absolutely. And I agree with that. But the the frustrating thing is if this happens 20 times in a season, like it's gonna it's gonna get boring. Like honestly, I didn't even see Kluber was throwing a no-hitter until after it was over. Like I back in the day, if somebody had a no hitter going through seven innings, you would get a notification after every single inning from on your phone, from all of the outlets, MLB, MLB Network, ESPN, us, whatever it be like you would get an update saying, oh, this person's on the verge of throwing a no hitter. This person's on the verge of throwing a no hitter. Tune in now. Watch now. Do this now. ESPN would literally break from whatever programming they have going on on the day to this no hitter that's being thrown. Now, that's not happening at all. No. At all. No. I, like I said, I did not know Corey Kluber was throwing a no-hitter. I was on Twitter. I did not so know. I. I did not know Kluber was throwing a no-hitter oh, until after it was over, when Jeff Passon tweeted about it. He's on my fantasy team. I, I was, he was five,
1: six innings in. I didn't even notice that he didn't give up a hit at that point. When it got to seven is when I saw the first tweet about it, that he was at the no-hitter. And I never went back and checked out that because I was exhausted. I went to sleep. But, yeah, that that you're right. I mean, it, it's, it's not as big of a deal as it once was before where you get a few. But we looked the other day and, look, there have been years here in the last decade where you get 12 or 13 no-hitters in a year. The problem is you're already at, what, is it 7 now? It's 7 now. 7, and it's May 20th. No, 6? Six, 6 or 7. 6. Something like Maybe that. it's 6. Yeah, 6 and then the 7 inning one. Yeah. Uh, so we don't count that one. So six. So right now you're on page for like twenty. You're a month and a half in. You got six. It's a six month season. Twenty. But the Brewers throw a no hitter. I'm gonna celebrate. How much did your your friends and family celebrate the Turnbull uh, no hitter? We talked about that the other day. Yeah, for the Tigers.
2: My dad and I like texted back and forth about it, but that was pretty much it. Like I, I we were both super excited and like it was great. Right. But it wasn't. It wasn't anything like. Oh, I gotta call my dad and talk about this knowing. Well, well was like Burlander when he did it. See, when I was still a kid when that happened. So like we were watching the game together because we used to, we've had MLB, the MLB, the ticket, or whatever it's called, basically where you get every single MLB right. game. We've had that for like 10 years. Oh, so, so you were able to watch it. Right. All. So I was able to watch the entire game uh with my dad for that. But but that's that that comes back to my point because like since it's happening so much, less people are talking about it. Like, it, it is not this grandeur of what it once was where it's like, oh, my goodness, I just witnessed a no hitter. This is incredible. Like, even the, the the national media outlets are even admitting that by not putting it on their on the screen anymore. And it's getting less publicity for the sport. Like, uh, you have to appreciate greatness. Gary, that's Gary's thing. You have to appreciate the greatness of all of it. But it's not getting the recognition that it once was because it's happening so often. Plucker. Pluck so back in the day, right, you'd have a killer Yankees lineup or
1: that killer offensive lineup. The Dodgers were supposed to be that. They're not. Wookiee Betts is hitting like two fifty. I mean, you look around baseball. Who's that killer offensive lineup that you don't want to see right
2: now? There isn't one. There isn't and, one, and, and it's because. What uh, I'll go back to what I was saying yesterday. It's because baseball has completely. Not paid attention Correct. to foreign substances.
1: Oh, no, no, no. No, 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 and, no, no. Front page of ESPN. Go to it. Insider piece. Inside MLB's crackdown on pitchers using foreign substances. Why now and why it's so important.
2: This is why it's so important. <laughs> I missed that. On this on is why page. it's so important. It. MLB Be- standing against sticky stuff. So this is the thing. So... And I'm not accusing Justin Verland. Justin Verland is one of my favorite pitchers of all time. He played for the Tigers. Like, let's be honest. He, right. was, he was like my idol growing sure. up. But there, something happened where he left Detroit where he was pitching poorly and then went to Houston and was a Cy Young pitcher. And, and a bad box. And everybody. A bad box, too. And everybody was talking about how his spin rates like quadrupled from going yep. from being in Detroit to being in Houston. So so explain that to me. How does how does just a, a change of location from Detroit to Houston well, Plucker. make you that much better of a pitcher? Okay, I got you. On this one, I got you. Explain to me how Corbin
1: Burns goes from being as bad as he was for a whole season to being as dominant as he is now well, in a course of an offseason. That's all mechanics. Right? That's the pitching lab and doing all mm-hmm. that stuff. Houston, cheaters, not whatever. High in high advanced analytics, that's where David Stearns came from, was Houston with all the advanced analytics and the biometrics and all this other crap. Could just very well be that they applied all of their science that they have in Houston and fixed them. And Detroit, maybe they don't got the same science. That to me, that's the easiest explanation. Now, having said that, I have not seen an interview with Justin Verlander to say what changed from Detroit to Houston. And I'm sure he's done interviews previous to now, to say what changed between Detroit and Houston. But that, to me, would be the simplest answer. You're going towards sticky stuff, conspiracy theory. I don't think I'm there on that. See, Because I don't remember, I don't think I've ever seen a game where I thought that watching him pitch. The
2: the thing is, there is, uh, so, you're right, it's a better organization, they were using more... Of the, the Way statistics, in front of everybody. Else. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right, and that's definitely a part of it. But he's also pitching with Garrett Cole, who I think is one of the most blatant users blatant. of now that guy, of foreign substance ever. I, and, I re- and Justin Verlander was yes. in the exact same rotation as him. Garrett Cole is a guy that we've talked about
1: numerous times on this radio station, on post game shows, and so forth about people calling up and
2: complaining. There's about Garrett literally Cole. somebody on TikTok. Yeah who goes on Garrett Cole every single start that he has and finds where his foreign substance is. And MLB has done absolutely nothing Nothing. about it. Nothing at all. No, And again, this goes back to what I said before. It's about
1: offense. And that's where Major League Baseball should just let it go. If it's about getting fans and casual fans and younger fans, let's just let the offense go. If it's not about that, then what is this about? You change the baseball to... Bring down the home run totals. That's why you changed the baseball. Okay, fine. So who are you trying to get to the stadium? Who are you trying to get to watch the games? Because those guys that are about 1-0, 2-1 games are either old, right, and are all about that, or old in the soul like Robbie Makhlouf and are all about that. Really, that's what it is. Old in the soul, that's what I said. Don't get mad at me, Robbie. Robbie's in here. We'll get Robbie's thoughts on this coming up next. Sparky's midday madness. Sparky's midday madness live from the Winer Plumbing Studios at twelve fifty a.m. The fans. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, Dan Plucker doing a great job other side of the glass. Tim Allen, Ken Barkley from BetQL coming up tomorrow on the Wendy's Big Show. Talk about uh, the Dan Graziano report. Uh, some more tomorrow on the show as well. Plus, we'll talk about this Kenny Maine thing coming up on Monday. What you think Aaron Rodgers is gonna actually say on this thing hmm. coming up on Monday. And I will do that tomorrow on the Wendy's Big Show. Uh Robbie Makloff, before we get to what's on your show coming up here in about eight minutes. Yes, sir. Uh, these all these no hitters, good or bad for the game of baseball and trying to attract the younger audience? Um, it's hard it's hard to say, Sparky, because
4: my initial instinct when I see no hitter come go across the crawl on ESPN, I'm like, oh, Cool. Wow. I want to go watch the highlights of that. But it's happened six times. Seven times. Seven times. Seven seven times. I think Kluber's was the seventh one yeah. last night. So, I mean, and it 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 makes sense when you look at the state of offense in baseball in 2021. It makes sense that there would be more no hitters. Have
1: you and, been watching the Brewers games at American Failing Field? Yeah, of course. I'm watch. You've seen some of the balls, how hard they've been hit? Yes. You've yeah. seen where they've gone? Yeah. That 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 isn't a red flag of they screwed this up. Well, because they, being Major League Baseball, screwed this up. N- not necessarily. And you know, I'm quick to jump down because Rob Manfred's throat and
4: say he screwed they up.
1: They were asked. Somebody asked those guys in Milwaukee whether or not they're using a humidor for their baseballs now, because the ball is deadened so much inside yes. that park. But here's the thing. Here's why I'm not. Here's why I'm not
4: going to lay down. We can't lay down that verdict yet, because what Major League Baseball is trying to do with this. You won't see the change and the shift instantly. And David Stearns talked about this. Uh, Robbie
1: he, thinks he's onto something. Now he's pointing his finger. At I am. Me. He really, I'm definitely onto. He definitely here. thinks he's onto I'm definitely something. Definitely onto. All right, something go here. ahead. And some teams. By are, the way, did they find that treasure chest of money you said they were going to spend? Did you ever find that? I didn't say they do would. You I that? said that's what you I remember would that. do. Yeah, I, I don't forget misinterpreting stuff like that, that forever.
4: Yeah, but here, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying they didn't screw it up. I'm yeah. just saying it's too early to say that they screwed it up with the dead in baseball. And David Stearns talked about this. He said if we get to midseason and we haven't seen things turn around, then we we have to look at things and see what we have to change because then we'll have a larger sample size. And he was talking more performance-based, but I also think I, I think a lot of teams, including the Brewers, are looking at this dead in baseball and they're compiling data. And once enough data is compiled for them to actually say, okay, now we have to shift the way that we try to score runs. We have to shift our philosophy. Now that we have a large enough sample size, we have to shift our philosophy of how we score runs. And you that, know what that means, And then right? maybe you start seeing some of the stuff incorporated back into the game that baseball wants incorporated back to the game, and that's why they deadened the baseball. The other thing is—
1: That means we're going to have more bunting.
4: Possibly. The other thing is oh, tiny. A, lo- a lot of these teams may be hesitant to change their style or their method of trying to score because Major League Baseball has has flipped and flopped back and forth between live juiced balls and, and, and dead end baseballs for three or four years now, right. at least. So if if I'm an organization, do, am I going to change my entire way of doing things, my operations and my, my philosophy All right. when
1: it could be a juiced baseball after the All-Star break I've got again? A, I've got a question for you and Dan Plucker. I want to know from a baseball fan perspective, what's a more exciting play to you, a home run or a Triple. 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 So if these and balls result in more doubles and triples and balls rattling around off the walls, but not as many balls getting over the fence, is that a more exciting brand of baseball if the strikeouts go down at the same point? Yeah, I think so. Right? Yeah, When they put the, the fence in at Miller Park before they screwed it up and then made that whole group area out there, when they originally did that outfield wall, remember who designed the outfield wall? Robin Yount. Robin Yount designed the outfield wall and the distance of the outfield wall and how it jig and jagged and that whole thing because Yount said at that time, doubles and triples are the most exciting part of baseball, and I want this to be reflective of that and give the fans as much excitement as they can inside the stadium. That was part of the reason why it was designed the way it was. Then what happened? Oh, we can get more home runs, and we can uh, make some more money by putting a group sales out there in that right field area. So they pull the fence in, and then put the group sales out there, which obviously you know ups the home run totals but takes away from what Yant was trying to do with the outfield wall.
4: But don't get it twisted, though, Sparky. Home runs are still fun. Home runs are still tons of fun.
1: I don't disagree, but if you're telling me they're compiling data and trying to figure out how this is going to change things, well, if the ball is going to be deadened and you're not going to have as many home runs, now let's start talking about launch angle and how that changes things because now everything has to be reevaluated. If Major League Baseball is going to dig in and go – this is the baseball going forward. Figure it out. If that's going to be the stance, because mm-hmm. I agree with you, the flip flopping here has been ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But if they're going to dial in and go, no more 50 home run seasons, like we're just, we're not going to have it. We'll have more doubles, more triples, start stealing bases, bunting, whatever you want to do, but we're done having home run derbies at these games. By the way, I think that's a mistake because I think they're going to lose people. But if that's what they decide to do, then you're going to have to start reevaluating the type of players you want out there. I mean, because then it's going to be more about the guys that have speed, that have some power, you know, the doubles hitters, that are better contact hitters. That's how your rosters are going to be made up of. And right now, and that's what
4: baseball wants. That's what they're trying right, to do with right the dead now, in baseball and all these rules that they're playing and with.
1: And right now it's home run or strikeout, and those are the players that are playing right now, and people are fine with it. Well, not people. The general managers are fine with it. But if those home run numbers go down and those strikeout numbers stay high, which is what's happening, teams and will that's cha- why you have these no change, hitters,
4: t- teams will change the way that they do things. If that happens, have to, if right? they if they have eighty one or one hundred and sixty two games to see, oh well, the way that we we're doing things now isn't working, and the math says that this way would work more more uh, steal attempts, maybe more bunts, yes, and 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 that's how it slowly shifts but it wasn't going to happen overnight my my initial reaction to the dead in baseball was the same as yours which was like uh-oh this the, i don't think they're getting what they wanted out of right. this because balls are just falling short of the fence and we have lower scoring games and and it's it's not really doing anything to Make the game more exciting, but and you know, had a piece about this a couple weeks ago at the Athletic. You should really read. His you love a, that a, dude. I swear so to good. God, he
1: pays you every he time so, you mention his he's name. So so good. Yeah.
4: Um, about how steals are slowly ticking up, and and, but also, <laughs> the same way that we we have this this evolution of information and coaching and development and scouting and blah 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 with with pitching. Right. Now we're starting. They're starting to find that they can do the same thing. With stealing bases, with with measuring pop times, with measuring delivery oh, to the yeah, plate, for sure. with 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 being able to 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 calculate within a certain amount of certainty if there's a breaking ball coming, which gives you another couple tenths right. of a second yep. to steal a base. No doubt. So they're really delving deep now into how do we steal bases more successfully. More teams are already starting to do that because they well, see the Brewers have been doing that
1: that that, that whole. Stopwatch, they got a pitcher for several years yeah, now.
4: But there's there's even more layers to it now than yep. than there was. They're 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 delving deeper into how do we steal bases more successfully. Eno's piece is great. And Jason Stark had a piece today at the Athletic. Another Rami guy. Love Jason Stark. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Just because I love him. Um about how some of the rules changes that they're playing with at A ball. Oh, don't you get me started. They call they're calling it a horse race. There are so many stolen bases down there. The guys are just taken off left and right.
1: Well, Tim Rellers are an A team. Should you go watch them?
4: Appleton. It's so I mean, this the, the stuff people want from baseball may be on. on the horizon with with the dead in baseball and his team's shift to 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 adjust to that. Right. And if they implement some of these rules changes that they're toying with in some of these independent leagues and that at the A ball. But then
1: aren't the core baseball fans going to be furious if they change more rules? No, a lot of this stuff is what core baseball fans want. Y'all want
4: yeah. more small ball, isn't it? We will uh, yeah, absolutely. You know what, but I thought, what are the rule changes that we're talking about? You here? know what I thought of the other day, though? If, if you're Major League Baseball, maybe just go the other way and market your sport as this is the best sport if you like social media. Because you don't even have to watch; just listen for the crack of a bat. You could have your face buried in your phone. You could be on your Twits. You could be on your TikToks and and, and your Instas, and, and just look up when you hear the crack of a bat. Or you don't need to ball... watch. You don't need to watch that closely. This is a perfect sport for your generation because you don't want to pay attention to anything.
1: <laughs> or when the ball hits you in the head, right. Or the that, yeah. It would be the other one. Just cover the whole.
4: Just cover all the stands and nets. All right, what's coming good. up next on the round? On show. the show today, uh, Will Salmon will be joining us at three thirty. Uh, yeah, did you read his piece on Keston? here no really good talking i about. followed
1: about twitter though he was in nashville like all weekend it's it's it's
4: really good about everything that that he's going through and i was trying to get his head right down there in nashville we're gonna talk got with like Will five or six doubles about I think, that already. yeah he's he's heating up so uh he's coming up at 3 30 on the show today and i always love talking with david Sampson. love me some david Sampson. he's coming up at 4 45 he has thoughts on on the Brewers, on uh, no-hitters, on Tony La
1: Russa, on
4: the state of baseball. David
1: Tapson, he's the guy that ran the Marlins, right? He is the guy who ran the uh, Marlins. Thank him I...
4: for Christian Yelich. Just, this just... is what you should be doing. Sure. And right out of the gates, uh, some Bucks talk. Sparky, if, if Coach Bud has a perfect playoffs, if you look at Coach Bud's performance and you say, I have no critiques. So they you, win the NBA Finals. You think they win it. You think they win it. So you're saying he's going to make adjustments? I'm saying, if this is the question, do the Bucks go all the way if
1: Coach Bud pushes all the right buttons? Yeah, there's still too many variables because you still need guys to hit shots and so forth. There's still too many variables. But I'll, I'll say this he's fired regardless of what happens outside of winning a championship. That's I, what I think. I
4: disagree think. with that. And I don't think that's fair if that's and, the case.
1: And I'll tell you another thing that I think. I think the president of the Toronto Raptors is going to be the president of the Milwaukee Bucks. That's thing that that.
4: another thing. I wouldn't hate that. That's another thing. I wouldn't hate that. You side Majiri? After I, we're yeah,
1: about? After, we, after I saw that story last night, time on him and ownership got to figure this out, my my bell warning bell started going off and going, whoa, oh. Bye-bye, John Horst and Mr. Boone because because that, that's a sexy name that Mark Lashley would love to be able to tell all of his friends that he's got running his organization now. I mean, that makes all the Dude, sense in John, the world. I think
4: John Horst has done a hell of a job. Even, even if you bring Magir, Ma, Ma, how do you say his name, is it? I think it's Magiri. Um, Even if you bring him in, you don't have to get rid of John Horst. He'll be president. John Horst works under him as general manager,
1: learns, and uh, gets even better. We don't really know if Lazary wanted John Horst to begin with, now, do we?
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.